0: Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. We always love when uh, Pastor Randy Ruiz is with us. He always has a fresh, powerful word for our, our church, and we just appreciate that. And so this morning, let's welcome once again Randy Ruiz. Well, I love you too, Pastor. You're so cute. I say that all the time, but he really is, because I'm jealous of his height. I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be six foot tall. What about your width? No, your width I'm not that jealous about. height. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you, smile and say, you are the best looking thing I've seen all day. Just tell him you are awesome. <laughs> no, your width is, that's thats that's you. <laughs> get your Bible out and turn to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. Turn your Bible on and get it out. And uh, it is the story of the faith of the Shunammite woman. We're going to touch on it and then move on. I want to show you something today that is so simple, yet it is so amazing. It's a biblical principle. That, and, and the biblical principle is our response to God is very important. Our response to God is very important. I've heard people say that the preaching of the word is the most important thing that happens in every church service. And while I understand what they are saying, I don't necessarily agree with the statement. I think your response to the preaching of the word is the most important thing that happens in every service. Because you can hear it, you can experience it, you can even get goosebumps and chill bumps, you can even jump up and down and shout amen. But if you don't live it, if you don't respond to it when you leave the church, it then has no effect. It then has no power. But that is background, look with me to 2 Kings 4.9. Again, the story of the faith of the Shunammite woman. And she's having a conversation with her husband as she's looking out the front door and watching the prophet walk by her house. That's literally what's happening. And she says to her husband, verse 9, Look now, I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Or some translations say, the King James says, who passes by us continually. Continually. This is in reference to Elisha the prophet and through the power of God, how he was experiencing in his life the overflow of the presence of God in his life. And he is working mighty miracles. Remember, he is the one who had the double portion anointing. If you were not here last night, you heard me say, the anointing makes the difference. The anointing or the power, the personality of the Holy Spirit that comes from within you and rests upon you. It is that power, that unction that makes a difference in your life. And this man, Elisha, was working in a double portion anointing. He received the mantle from Elisha when it fell. Elisha went up in a chariot of fire. Elijah picks it up. He's now wrapped in a double portion anointing. And the woman said to her husband, I have noticed the power of God in that vessel, on that man, has been walking by our house continually. Well, then if you read on in the story, she said, let's add on a room to our house so the prophet just won't pass us by I want to make room, she is saying, for a miracle. I want to make room for the impact of the power of God that he's operating in, in our home. But notice every day on a regular basis, constantly. Elisha, who represents the power of God and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, prior to Jesus coming and the birth of the church at Pentecost, Pentecost being 50 days after the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit came. And that is when the church was born. But prior to all of that, Elisha was constantly passing by their home. But that did not mean just because he was passing by, it benefited them. Oh, catch it again. Just because he was passing by, it did not benefit them. But when they made a room and put a bed and a table and a candle for the prophet, the Bible says he turned in and he stayed there and he dwelt there. Because they made room for a miracle. They changed their lifestyle. They stepped out of the ordinary, and they made room for a miracle. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 37, I want you to notice another biblical pattern. Remember, we serve a God of patterns. And how he dealt with natural Israel is how he will deal with you and I, who are spiritual Israel. And we serve a God of patterns. In Luke chapter 18, verse 37... It says, blind Bartimaeus was told by someone, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. Luke 19 and 1. Jesus entered and was passing through Jericho. Mark 6 and 48. It says, he saw that there was in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the winds and the waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Listen now. He intended to go past them. He intended to go past them. The English Standard Version says he meant to pass them by or he meant to pass by them. Now when you highlight these verses, you realize one says he's passing by, one says he's passing through, the other says he was, uh, the last one says he intended to go past them, and then you add the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings, who represents the power of God and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and you realize it says he was passing through continually or daily, passing them by. This is a biblical pattern, and these scriptures are telling us that it's not enough to know that the Spirit of God is here. Because as Pastor Janet already said, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. However, apparently, according to these scriptures, it is possible for God's spirit to pass us by and not benefit us until we make room for his presence in our life. Until we do what is necessary. In Genesis 12, the Bible opens by telling us something about the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. Notice, the Spirit of God is moving. If you are a Spirit-filled Christian, He will move you to change. And the Spirit was moving. In John seven thirty-seven and 38, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's standing there in the midst of the people. And the Bible says He cries in a loud voice. And He says, Whoever believes in Me, As the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And of course, he's making reference to what would take place 50 days after the resurrection when God would give us the Holy Spirit. Notice the Holy Spirit, like a river, will move in your life. It is the river, it is this promise. In the river is the promise, the provision, and the power of God to change your life. Oh, hear that again. In the river of the Holy Spirit is the promise, the provision, and the power of God that will move your life. It is passing by. Newsflash. It is not Pastor Doug and Pastor Janet's responsibility to get you into the river. It is not my responsibility to get you into the river. No, all of us have that same responsibility. It is our responsibility to just not stand on the banks of the river and watch. Listen, do you know what you will get out of this message and these series of meetings from last night, today, and tonight? You will get out exactly what your faith is willing to reach out for. Exactly what you respond for. Because God is passing by So the issue really isn't, is the Holy Spirit moving? Because we just heard, and the Spirit of the Lord moves. The issue is not, will God be there? Because we know where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. The issue is, and the question is, will it do you and your family any good? And friends, we have the power to stop him from passing by. I don't know about you, I don't want him to pass me by. We have the power to pass him by and have him tune in and turn in and dwell where we are. Listen to this biblical truth, the title of the message The Obvious Does Not Obligate God. The Obvious Does Not Obligate God. When the pandemic first hit in March, we literally, as Pastor Doug said, got canceled from March and April and May and June to the middle of July. And I was walking around the house outside, and I was kind of doing some yard work. And I stopped, and I looked up to heaven and said, Lord, do you see what's happening? Have you ever been there? Lord, don't you see what's going on in our nation? Lord, why the silence from heaven? And we're still getting cancellations. We were canceled for uh, the first Sunday of December because Chicago, Illinois, is being closed down. I call it Communist Illinois. And... There's communist California, and they're they're going crazy, and they're they're just shutting people in. And Lord, don't you see what's going on? The Holy Spirit whispered, Randy, your needs do not obligate God. The obvious does not obligate God to do a miracle. And the Holy Spirit will let you kind of stew on that, because at first it was quite offensive. And I said, Lord, how can you say that? Well, because I'm sovereign God. Listen, your needs do not obligate God to do a miracle. Just because you have a need, if you just stand by or sit by or just watch the river pass by, you can miss all of God's provision and all of God's power. This explains how you can sit in church and the person right down the same row is getting blessed and the rivers of living water is flowing through them and they've got their hands raised and they're crying out to God and you're sitting there with your arms crossed and nothing is happening. No, what makes him stand still, what makes the Holy Spirit not pass you by is your desperation. I believe there's something about a desperate heart that stops the Holy Spirit from passing by. See, some people don't understand our passion in a church like this. They, they don't understand people shouting and clapping and, and dancing and crying out to God. It's foreign to them. Others will say, well, come on, God is sovereign and he will do whatever he wants to do. Uh, yes, that is true. And I understand the theology and I understand your doctrine. However, at the same time, there is a biblical truth and a reason to these scriptures that tell us Jesus was passing by, he was passing through, he fully intended to walk past them. Now that's about as plain as you can get. That he literally intended to walk past them. But they all did something. They cried out in desperation. And Jesus changed what he was doing and where he was going. And somehow, way, as he was going one way, as they cried out, he literally stopped and went the other direction. And I'm saying to you that we can make the Holy Spirit, who is the mirror image of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, stop and stand still right here in our midst. And we do this through our desperation, through our faith, through our honesty. It's getting real with God through more than just playing church. Many have asked me, well, Pastor, could it be that God allowed the COVID-19 virus to get America desperate? And I answered them. I said, well, I don't know about getting America desperate, but I sure believe he's trying to get the church desperate. For revival first starts in the church. Lord, revive us in the midst of the years, and then awaken a nation. It's getting real with God. And that's why we worship and sing and play the instruments. I was in a church last week, and their their praise and worship was amazing, and, and somebody said, wow, that music really creates energy. I said, that's not energy. No, it's the very presence of the Holy Spirit that is brought into the building because God inhabits the praises of his people It's the same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that is delivered in heaven as the angelic choir sings, Holy, holy is the Lord, worthy to be praised and worthy to be adored. It is that power of the praise and worship that brings the very presence of Almighty God. It's just not energy. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we worship. This is why we worship. This is this worship. This is praise. Why? Because we are desperate to stop him from just passing by. Is there anybody else besides me that's desperate to stop him from just passing by? Lord, don't just walk down my street and and go to the neighbor's house. I, I want you to go to the neighbor's house, Lord, but... Don't pass me by. Lord, don't pass me by. There's a man in the Bible called Zacchaeus. He was desperate to see Jesus, but he was very unsuccessful because he was short in stature. And being short in stature, he couldn't see over the crowd that was coming to see Jesus. So he climbs up in a tree for the Savior he could see. He steps out of the norm, out of his desperation. He tries to do something that he could see Jesus. I was thinking about Zacchaeus and his desperation, and I was reminded of the scripture that says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short (laughs) of the glory of God. See what I did there? You're slow, but you're worth waiting for. So what I'm saying to you is really is that all of us are too small to see Jesus. Oh, hear it again. Because of our sin nature, each and every one of us, are really too small to see Jesus. And I like Zacchaeus because he knew he had a problem. He knew Jesus was passing by. He's too short. He can't see over the crowd. So he said, my answer is not in me. My answer is in the tree. My answer is not in me. My answer is in the tree. The tree, which to us represents Calvary, enlarged Zacchaeus. See, the tree allowed him to see Jesus, but more importantly, the tree allowed Jesus to see Zacchaeus. And when he got into the tree, Jesus saw him. Likewise, when you get into the tree called Calvary, Jesus will see you. Then Jesus says something very interesting to Zacchaeus. I I had read it, the entire story, hundreds of times, and yet the Holy Spirit will always bring you fresh oil when you're hungry for it. And I noticed that he says to Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree because I'm going to your house today. And the thought hit me, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Randy, don't you understand? He could have just passed by. He could have just ministered to him in the tree. But when Jesus saw him get in a tree, step out of his norm, he said, I'm not only going to minister to you, but I'm going home with you. And I'll change your entire family. I'll change the entire dynamic of your home because you got in a tree because you dared to hold on to Calvary. And friends, if you can get into the tree this morning, he will go home with you. Depression won't go home with you. Defeat won't go home with you. Doubt and fear won't go home with you. But the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit will go home with you and change the dynamic of everything you have. Yes, if you believe that. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise him. In Luke 18, blind Bartimaeus is told, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. So in Luke 18 and 39, he cries out, Son of David, have mercy. That phrase, Son of David, was reserved in the culture for only the Messiah. So though the man is blind physically, he has got a sense spiritually that he's standing before the master of the universe, and he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, the religious people, as you well know, sitting there, they look at him and they say, shh, you can't act like that in church. You can't shout in church. You can't be happy. We got the joy of the Lord. No, no, you got to be silent. Luke 18, 39 says, when he hears it, he cried out even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried even louder. In other words, he got a miracle for crying out loud. Again, you're slow, but you're worth waiting for. Would you just turn to your neighbor and smile and say, you can get a miracle for crying out loud? Just tell him you can get a miracle for crying out loud. (laughs) But listen now, you can also miss a miracle for just sitting there. Oh, don't miss it. You can, get a, you can miss a miracle for just sitting there. So don't minimize our praise don't just sit there and act like we're emotionally shallow because sometimes we come to church and we feel a hallelujah coming on from deep down in our spirit and we get a little happy and we shout amen or glory to God or we begin to move and pray in in our heavenly language. Don't look at us with a pious attitude because we've been fighting the devil and hell all week long and we come into the house of God and the Holy Spirit is stirred from within us. He rises up and lands upon us and the anointing of God makes the difference. It breaks the change it delivers it sets the captive free as we raise our hands and we shout and we praise him why because you might be one miracle away from a hallelujah one hallelujah might bring you into your miracle one thank you jesus one praise the lord because when he shouted the bible says he got a miracle come on somebody you're sitting too quiet for me I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I said, he's one miracle away from a hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can you do that? You need to praise him. We need to praise him. Joshua, under the Old Covenant, made the S-U-N stand still. He's fighting a battle. He's chasing the Amorite kings in the valley of al and he's running out of daylight, and he sees the enemy is on the run, and he decides, Lord, I cannot allow the enemies of God to leave without me getting them. I need more time. So he stands, and he cries out to God, and he shouts to God in faith, and God stops the sun in the sky. Blind Bartimaeus didn't make the SUN stand still. His cry caused the SON, the Son of the Living God, deity in diapers, the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000, literally stood still where he was going. Going one direction, Bartimaeus cries out and he goes in another. He literally caused the child, the Son of Almighty God to stand still. And God has no respect of a person. And what he has done for one, he has done for all. And how he treated natural Israel is how he'll treat you and I who are spiritual Israel. Don't miss this. You mean you're telling me, Randy, that he's passing by, and if I cry out in faith, and I learn to worship, and I get desperate in my home, and I get to the place of peace and faith, I can literally cry out to God in prayer and cause the Holy Spirit of God to stand still in my life? To not pass by? Absolutely yes. I know some of you may be having a problem with the theology, but I really don't care what you call it, to be quite honest. All I know is that in every one of these cases, Jesus was going somewhere. He's doing something else, and someone stopped him by their desperation through their faith when they cried out, Mark 6 and 48 says the Bible says the disciples were out in a boat in the middle of the storm in the Sea of Galilee, and they're fighting the storm. It came out of nowhere. This coronavirus came out of nowhere. We're going and cruising along, and America's doing great, and it comes out of nowhere. Have you ever been in a situation besides the coronavirus where something hits you out of nowhere? You're just cruising along, enjoying your life, and And all of a sudden, life throws you a curve. But this is more than a curve. And I love what the Bible says. It says that Jesus was on the shore, but he saw them in the storm. He was watching them. His eyes were watching. Somebody here watching me by live stream or sitting here right now needs to know Jesus is watching. He sees you. Have you ever needed him so much and yet you can't see him because the storm is so great? You're preoccupied with the waves and the winds because it hits you out of nowhere and your life is taking on water just like the boat and and he's watching you. And the Bible says at 3 a.m. in the morning, that's the darkest hour of the night along the third or fourth watch. And he's watching. He's waiting to see what their response will be to the storm. That's exactly what's happening right now to the church in America. God is watching us, and he's wanting to know what will be our response to the political storm. What will be our response to the medical storm with the COVID? I told the people last night that somebody came to me the other day in church, and they grabbed my mask off my face, and they said, preacher, where's your faith? And I said, friend, it's not a faith or or fear issue at all. It's the Apostle Paul said, I I become all things to all people that Christ might be glorified. And if I can alleviate your fear and I'll cause you to come to church and alleviate your fear and you experience the power of God, I'll wear a mask on my ear and on my forehead. I'll wrap myself in bubble wrap, whatever needs to happen to alleviate the fear of a culture that my God is still in charge. I'll do all things that, that Christ might be glorified. And God is watching our response to the COVID. He's watching our response to this marathon election. He's watching our response to what's happening in America. And so many times things seem to be topsy-turvy. But listen, when you can't see Jesus, he can see you. He's watching you. You may feel overwhelmed by the storm. You feel conquered by the winds and the waves. But Jesus has his eyes upon you. Listen now. No doubt fear was gripping their hearts in that boat. They're about to drown and go under, and Jesus came walking on what they were worrying about. He's literally came walking on what they were worried about. He came walking on their fears and their doubts. He's walking on their problems. He's walking on their negative circumstances. Listen to this amazing truth. Whatever you are worried about this morning it's what's going to bring Jesus to you. Oh, hear it again. Whatever you are worried about this morning, is what's going to bring the master to you. Because the obvious does not obligate God. He sees you're in need. He's watching you. But the obvious doesn't obligate him. Do you want to summarize the whole message? It's in this one line. The obvious does not obligate God. When he stopped by blind Bartimaeus, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Don't you know people watching say, well, it's obvious, Lord, he's blind. Why would he even ask them, what do you want me to do? Because he wanted to know what faith Bartimaeus was operating in. Do you have enough faith to ask me for a miracle? And it's obvious, Lord, don't you see what's happening in America? Don't you see what's happening in our streets? Oh, I see it, but what do you want me to do? Do you trust me enough to send a revival? Do you have enough faith to ask for the big things in life? Lord, send your anointing. Send your spirit. We need you now more than we've ever needed you before. What do you want me to do? Listen, friend. Listen to this principle. The obvious does not obligate God. What obligates God or what stops God is faith. Faith is what moves God. Desperation is what moves God. People crying out in the altars of God, crying out, Lord, we need you. That's what moves God. And it causes him to stand still in our presence. What do you want me to do, Bartimaeus? I want to see. So he's walking out. This one blew my mind. Same thing with the disciples in the boat in the middle of the storm. They're taking on water. And I've read that a hundred times, but suddenly I, I realize he's literally going to walk past them. In, in the midst of the storm, Lord, I, in my study, I literally stood up in my office and started walking around the study at the house. Said, Lord, are you really going to let the disciples go to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee? Are you literally going to let them drown? And he's watching. Have you ever felt like, this is it, we're going under, until someone cried out, and he got in the boat. Until we understand that danger and despair is not what moves God, he stopped because somebody cried out. And when he approaches the boat, the Bible says, he said, peace be still, and the winds ceased. The Greek word for ceased in our language literally means as if it did not even exist. As if it did not even exist. Wouldn't it be amazing today if you come to these altars And you cry out to God, and on the way home, you look over at your spouse and say, what happened to the depression? It's like it didn't even exist. What happened to my my sickness, whether it be COVID or diabetes or cancer? What what happened to my addiction, or failing marriage? You see, we need to get back to old-fashioned Bible-believing preaching. Because I still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to take a broken life, a broken marriage, a broken family, and all things pass away, all things become new again. But listen, gang, you've got to cry out to God. You've got to run to Him in desperation and say, Lord, here I am. Wouldn't it be awesome to get into the car and say, what happened to all those troubles, all those situations? In Mark chapter 5, J- uh, Jairus this little girl, I love the story, and I've, rele- I've relegated it to you many, many times. Jairus is there with his daughter, and she's dying. She's about 12 years old. He goes off to find Jesus. In desperation, he stops him. And he says, Master, my little girl lies at the point of death. All she needs is your breath. All she needs is your touch. If you can just come with me, she'll live again. The Bible says in Mark, Jesus, touched by his faith, goes with him. But the word got out that the master or the anointed one, the anointing, makes the difference. Jesus, the Christ, the word Christ is the Christos, the one with the anointing, the anointed one with the anointing. The word gets out that he's passing through, and a woman with an issue of blood She has had this sickness for many, many years. She has spent all of the money that she has on doctors. Nobody can help her. She's bleeding continually. She's got a a year long, several years long, and she's bleeding in a menstrual cycle, most likely the loss of iron. She's anemic. She's toxemic, and she's in desperation, and she hears that he's passing by. I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit is here and he's passing by. He's passing by. And Scripture says as he's passing through the crowd, there were so many people there. This question rises up in my mind. Why didn't Jesus heal everyone there? I know he's sovereign God. But then the answer is given. Jesus is walking through with Jairus at his elbow. He stops and says, somebody touched me. Well, Master, of course somebody touched you. (laughs) There's a large crowd here. And he says, no, no, no. Somebody touched me in virtue. In other words, somebody touched me in desperation. Somebody touched me in amazing faith. Somebody was willing to step out of their normal daily routine. She came crawling Through the crowd. This one got up in a tree. The question is how desperate are you to stop him from passing by? One got in a tree, another one crawls, another one makes a room. What do you have to do to make room for a miracle in your life? What are you willing to do? Well, Jairus, he's so anxious because his daughter is dying. Jesus heals this woman, and as the story goes, as they're heading back now to his house, a messenger comes, and the messenger says to him, your little girl has died. Why do you trouble the master any further? Are those words ringing in your ears? This election is over. Why do you keep praying about it? America's going another direction Why do you keep asking God to intervene? That rebellious child, that marriage, that miracle, that healing you needed so desperately, that job, it's already gone. Forget praying. Jesus looked right at Jairus, and he said, don't listen to the other voice, only believe. That's the main question tonight and this morning. What voice are you listening to? The Lord says, only believe. He got to the house of Jairus, and the Bible says there was many people there. They were mourning, and when they see him, they laugh at him. Or the King James says they laugh him to derision. In other words, hysterical laughter. I was watching late-night television. I shouldn't have. I was watching ESPN, but then I was kind of clicking through just last night, and I noticed that all the late-night talk shows were laughing. All those crazy Christians, Jimmy Kimball said, those crazy Christians, and my ears perked up. He said that, the religious right. I thought, oh, be careful, young man. Be careful, young man. What are you listening to? They're laughing at us. Jesus dismissed all of those that were laughing, and he took Peter, James, and John, his closest associates in the discipleship, and he took Jairus and his wife, and he went into where the little girl was lying, They closed the door. Listen, they were there on the inside to see a miracle. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the inside to see God's miracles. They were there to hear the amazing words in Aramaic, Talitha kum, little girl, arise and walk. When God begins to move like He's promised He will move, where will you be? On the outside with the naysayers or on the inside with the faith? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com Connect with us on Facebook or call us at 210-657-3578.